Welcome to Loud and Queer. My name is Elizabeth, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm bisexual, and I'm coming to you right now from Boonarong land that witch has never ceded. And my name's Laura, I'm queer and non-binary, my pronouns are they, them, and I'm coming to you from Wurundjeri land. If you want to check out the show, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at SinLoud, that's at S-Y-N-Loud. You can also follow our podcast if you want to hear the show again. We're on all major streaming services, including Omni, iTunes, and Spotify. You can tune into the show every Sunday at 3pm. Join us at 90.7 FM or sin.org.au. Come on with the show. We're going to be going over our regular news section. Then we're going to be discussing uh, just high school life, what it was like back then for us being, like, being queer back in high school. Uh, we also ha- we're also going to be playing an interview that was taken earlier during this week with a trans artist, and of course we'll be going over our regular froth or not. Coming up now, we're going to have our weekly LGBTQ news update, and just a content warning: a few of these stories are pretty heavy this week. There are some mentions of transphobia and homophobia, so if you don't want to hear that, tune back in in about five minutes. From Pink News, the founder of an LGBTQ plus rights organization in Ghana has said he fears for his safety after its offices were after its offices were raided and shut down by police. Alex Kofi Doncourt set up the LGBTQ plus rights Ghana office on January 31st, but national security forces stormed in and forcibly closed the premise on Wednesday, February 24th. The organization wrote on Twitter a few days ago, traditional leaders threatened. A few days ago, traditional leaders threatened to burn down our office, but the police did not help. At this moment, we no longer have access to our safe spaces and our safety is being threatened. We call, we call on all human rights organisations and allies to speak out against these attacks and hate crimes we are being subject, subjected to. Gay sex is illegal in Ghana, meaning any... Sorry. <laughs> Gay sex is illegal in Ghana, meaning any public show of support for the LGBTQ plus rights can be met with violence and persecution. Loud and Queer sends our support to the LGBTQ... <laughs> Loud and Queer sends our support to the LGBTQ plus people in Ghana. A study that could one day lead to a potential HIV vaccine has shown promising results, scientists have said. Researchers from the International AIDS Vaccine Initiative and Scripps Research say that a phase one trial has shown proof in principle for a new type of vaccine that could be used against the virus. An effective vaccine to prevent HIV infection has proved elusive for nearly four decades, not least because the virus constantly evolves into different strains to evade the immune system. However, the trial found success in stimulating production of rare immune cells needed to start the process of generating antibodies that could neutralize diverse strains of HIV. The trial succeeded in generating cell production in 97% of participants, though researchers stressed it is only a first step. The Indian government has told the Delhi High Court it believes that same-sex couples cannot claim a fundamental right for the same-sex marriage, according to Pink News. Despite decriminalising same-sex relationships in 2018, the Indian government believes that same-sex couples do not deserve the same rights as traditional heterosexual couples. The Delhi High Court is considering a series of petitions to seek, that seek to end the ban on same-sex marriage. Spearheading one of the petitions are two queer women, Ankita Khanna and Kavita Arora. 
Both mental health practitioners, the couple were refused the right to wed by the government under the Special Marriage Act, which allows Indian citizens to register a marriage. From Q News, University of Melbourne academics have called for the removal of a colleague's website inviting anonymous submissions of encounters with transgender women. Earlier this week, lecturer Holly Lawford-Smith created the website noconflictthesaid.org. She wrote that the site is in response to birth certificate legislation around Australia benefiting trans people that replaces sex with gender identity. The site called for women to anonymously contribute accounts of trans women impacting their use of women-only spaces. Over 100 academics have also signed an open letter titled Stopping the Promotion of Transphobia at the University of Melbourne. The letter argues the website's published accounts use well-rehearsed transphobic ideology and promote the harmful stereotype of trans people as predatory. We strongly question the ethics of this website, the academics write. That's our news with On Loud and Queer today. These stories were pretty heavy, so if they caused you any concern, please contact Lifeline at 131114, QLife at 1800 184 or Kids Helpline at 1800-55-1800. Welcome back to Loud and Queer. My name's Laura, and here with me today is my co-host Elizabeth. Hey, Elizabeth. Hello. You just listened to Thelma Plum's Homecoming Queen, one of my favourite songs of hers, and before that was Kira Peru's Say Something. Today we're having a quick chat about queer experiences in high school and how usually cursed and messed up they are and also how formative they are. So I wanted to start off by giving you all a rundown of what life was like for me when I came out. So I went to an Anglican school, which was pretty pro-LGBT, like they didn't have any issues with LGBT students, but we did have some staff members who were very Christian and against it. And I got a big crush on this girl, Christina, when I was 14 and she got a big crush on me and our gay friend who didn't come out until five years later kind of hooked us up because he was so excited for people to be gay at the school um and so he was like do you like Christina do you like Laura and it was the funniest thing um so cute and eventually we dated for about three months but both of us were in very chaotic stages because um I think being queer and feeling like we have to hide that and then also yeah the hormones and high school and us wanting to have an outlet kind of made it all really you know (laughs) just a mess it was a mess so um people didn't really know how to react some people didn't believe I was bi and I was like I'm literally dating that person over there um And some people, you know, thought it was an attention-seeking thing. I guess that was my first queer crush and it turned out pretty well, but we broke up after three months and then I sort of spiralled and didn't didn't really jump back into dating for a little bit Um, and certainly not women until I was an adult. So, yeah, I guess I'm just wondering, Elizabeth, how closely does this relate to your experience? (laughs) Well, like... (laughs) I'll be I'll be frank. I didn't really realize and come out as bisexual until probably like my first year at university. Like mm. growing because like Comment. a bit different. Like yeah, I um growing up in through high school, I went to a private all girls Catholic school. <laughs> so 
that was definitely an experience. Mm. Like it, it wasn't like it was ever explicitly said it was like queer relationships was bad, but they mm. just didn't talk about them and just handled them very poorly. Like yeah. I had some, like I had some friends that, like I, I did have two friends in high school that one of them actually I'll be interviewing later on today, but um, like he came out as trans during that time and mm-hmm. like generally no one was very supportive of him and I can admit that would include myself. Like we didn't have a problem with it. We just weren't there to support him as we probably should have, or as we definitely should have. So it was just like that whole education side in regards to like queer studies and even just like sex ed in general just wasn't it just wasn't there which is Mm. just a shame because it's it just it it should be there like I didn't realize like I never really just I never really thought about that part of myself when I realized I was biased being like hey oh thinking women are really 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 attractive isn't just like that's not the thing not everyone does like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, I, yeah. I, I thought it was always just that case of like oh no this is me just appreciating other girls being really pretty but yeah they're just so beautiful <laughs> everyone thinks that way though yeah yeah, exactly. yeah I think we've talked a lot about um queer representation in media on this show but I think something we haven't done is discussed like that realization because I think so many people have it whether I spent years just glued to tv characters obsessed with their shows and then later on, it's like, oh, I had a real gay crush on that person. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Or like being really attracted to like a couple, like a straight couple and being like, I don't know which one's hotter, probably the woman, but I don't even know anymore. Um, oh, honestly, the amount of shows where I'd watch and I'd be just like, oh, I think this character is really pretty. They're my favorite. But then I'd feel bad if I was feeling like, oh, no. I can't just be thinking they're my favorite character just because they're pretty. Like, there's going to be more to you objectify them, Elizabeth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's how I thought. I was thinking, like, oh, I feel like so objectifying. But then, like, later on in life, I'm just like, oh, no, I just had a crush on them. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's innocent and it's really sweet. Um, But I think what you were saying about the lack of education or the lack of understanding of um, when people come out and you're young is – something that's like a really important thing we need to change because when I I think out of my friends and the people I know I probably got the best sex education um in and we got it like late in primary school actually and it taught you about puberty and about sex and about um you know periods and all this Mm. stuff it taught you about so much stuff um but it never mentioned queer relationships. And then when I got to high school, they kind of covered all that stuff again, but they did mention queer relationships, but really all they said was, and that's okay. You know, some people are gay and that's fine. And I was there thinking, well, how do I have sex though? Or like, you know, when I was in grade seven, we got shown this um, video cartoon of people doing the missionary position during sex ed. (laughs) And I was like, okay, great. What else is there? And, you know, then the only other way to find that out is to, like, look at porn or blogs and people on the internet aren't necessarily writing ethical or well-researched 
things about how to <laughs> how to have gay sex. Have sex. So yeah, I mean, like most of the time, it's just people just like it's it's a lot of times it can just be other queer people just trying to work their own way through it as well. Like it's, yeah. Yeah, we're all learning together and that can be a hotbed of not great outcomes because I think the two main things that sex ed in Australia is missing is people, like queer people's relationships and also definitely trans awareness, you know. I'm sure you and your friends had every good intention but you just didn't know what it meant, right? Yeah, 100%. Like I can vividly remember asking like, questions to questions to the, to them and just being kind of like thinking back on it now being like hey um that's not okay to ask like, yeah yeah and that's not because you didn't respect your friend that's yeah. because I just no one's told you what what trans people are like and what kind of respect they deserve um and, you know, I didn't even know the word non-binary until I was 18. So I knew I was bi since I was 12 because I had a friend who had gay mums and I was aware of it, but I didn't know that you could be non-binary. And so I was just like, oh, I guess I just don't really relate to any of my friends or anybody. I'm just weird. <laughs> I don't like gendered things. And then I finally found out and I was like, okay, so now I have to explain this to everybody else because... None of them they do. don't know either, you know? Yeah, it's it's sad how um like we like the like queer people have to be the have to be the educators in that sense. Like it's yeah. like it like like just like as you were saying, like you found out that you were non binary and you were the person that had to tell everyone else what that meant and mm-hmm. what that experience was like. Like it's just a shame like how that can't just be taught like to mm. it can't just be taught in general that so you don't have to figure this out like just by yourself like you can have the tools to help you realize that at like mm. even at a younger age and be comfortable with it yeah and I was I still probably am really resentful of the fact that people expect me to educate them when I come out to them and I'm sitting there thinking well this is why I only hang out with queer people because yeah. I just you know that we go what are your pronouns and someone goes she her he him they them he they and then you're done and then you move on and it's yeah. that quick pronouns don't tell you everything about a person's identity but it's so the understanding is there and it's like unspoken yeah. and it's good and then when you have to tell people and when I had to go around telling people and trying to convince people that I was bi when I was 15 was just silly and then the the like hypersexualization of bisexuality as well mm-hmm. is the most Indeed. frustrating part. And we kind of talked about that last week um, in media representation. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. Yeah, it's sort of, I think it's perpetuated by bi characters in, in shows and, and movies. Um, They're always characterised as the very angry or very overly sexualized. So it can, like, mm. that's why representation is so important because, like, those kind of, like that kind of view and when you're constantly seeing that represented that bleeds into real life like like that's how people like as you're saying like you had you had to struggle to make make people believe like that you were bisexual that uh, what you were bisexual Mm. so it's like I don't I shouldn't have to prove this to you like you should just yeah hear me listen to me and respect that 
that or the um like you if like oh if you haven't dated one of like one or the other then how do you really know like I've had that conversation a few times and it does my head in it's exhausting it's like I didn't spend all that time pining over Jennifer Love Hewitt because when I was five years old because I'm straight (laughs) what the (laughs) hell do you mean I don't have to kiss her and know she's hot exactly (laughs) did you have any favorite um because Jennifer Love Hewitt was one of mine that I just remember staring at on the TV and every week I'd make my family tune into um it was that show where she was like she could see ghosts oh yeah anyway like it doesn't matter but uh I had like her and like Shego from Kim Possible yeah I was gonna say Shego yeah (laughs) and um Naya Rivera and Glee so into her and Jasmine Um, from Aladdin Jasmine from Aladdin was my favorite character for the longest time and I had no idea how to explain why to people. (laughs) Uh, She's just really cool. Same as like, um, you know, like, you know, Disney's Atlantis, like, I can't remember her name, blonde woman, like, Everyone in Atlantis though, everyone in Atlantis is hot. (laughs) They're all, like, it was just a case of me watching this being like, okay, I love this movie. I don't know why I love it, but <laughs> here we are. Peter, my love. <laughs> You're as mesmerized as she is when she's got the like glowing eyes. Like that's just oh, by kids yeah. watching that movie. A hundred percent. It was God, it, it was like when I finally realized I was by, it was just like this eye-opening thing of looking back at everything, being like, oh okay Mm. this explains a lot yeah you like sift through your memories and it was the same for me trying to validate how like why I was feeling like I would you know want to identify as non-binary because you just sift through these memories and you're going oh yeah that one that's what that meant that's what that meant and that's why I liked them and yeah it's yeah it's It's shocking (laughs) and then you're like whoa that's that's nice you know that's nice that you can put a name to it yeah, exactly. Like, you don't feel like there's something wrong or anything. It's just like, you, it's not a case of like, why does no one else think this? It's like, oh, it's just because they're not like that. Like, and that's yeah. fine. Yeah. And it's just unfortunate that you couldn't, like, sort of our generation and older couldn't know that sooner. And I think maybe Safe Schools is doing something to negate that experience a little bit now, but there's been topsy turvy success with Safe Schools. So, mm. um, Maybe we'll investigate that in a later show. If you've had any experiences similar to these, like high school crushes or later realizations of your queerness from childhood experiences, let us know at SinLoud on Instagram and Twitter. You're listening to Loud and Queer. Coming up now, earlier this week, I got to sit down and interview an old friend of mine, actually, from when we were talking just before about uh, queer experiences high school. Um, This person also went to high school with me, Um, but Melbourne-based trans artist Sam Cariotis. I've invited them on to chat about their development as an artist and any upcoming showcase they have in the works in these coming months. Welcome back to Loud and Queer. I'm your host, Elizabeth, and I'm joined today by a special guest on the show. Known for their digital collage grunge art pieces that have been showcased around Melbourne, I'm pleased to welcome Melbourne-based trans artist Sam Cariotis. Hi, Sam. Thank you so much for coming on. 
Yeah, thanks. I mean, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. been good to good to talk to you again since we do know each other a little bit from the past. I mean, yeah, it's private Catholic or girls' school, so. Hey. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, so you really come you really come into yourself and making a good name for yourself in like the art yeah. world, at least in Melbourne and everything. So tell and yeah. with everything going on right now, just tell us a bit like how have you gone about creating art during like during isolation during COVID? I mean, I'm pretty lucky compared to some of my my um other creatives which is the like I'm a, I'm a digital artist all I really need is like my laptop and maybe a projector if I want to get fancy with it like I don't really need a studio I just like one um but it did make third year of my bachelor's a little bit difficult but honestly like apart from the fact that I didn't have a studio space nothing really changed about my art apart from the fact that I might have like drunk a little bit more but while making art but like that's it that's kind of the only thing that changed yeah, not much really. Oh, that's good. That's good to hear. <laughs> yeah, it's been like I've seeing a lot of your artwork and everything. It's really interesting how you've got this great like bringing together of different styles with like your like bringing in different images to create like something new out of that. So, what sort of got you interested in creating that kind of artwork? Honestly, like if we're going back to the exact point, one of my lecturers just like suggested, "Hey, try and make a collage out of whatever things you've got on hand." what I had on hand was a bunch of classical art, like scans, and a bunch of old, like, I don't know the exact artist, the names escaping me, but it was a bunch of old, like, Dante's Inferno illustrations, like the black and white um, ones. The, I'll think of the name later. But um, I just kind of chucked them together, and it worked really, really well. And I was like, what if I just kept doing this? <laughs> so that and the fact that um, just from an art law standpoint, from a copyright standpoint, um, you can use uh, work is common domain if the artist has been dead for over I think it's 70 or 90 years so that means all the oh. um, unless it's owned by a specific gallery like some works I've uh, run into uh, all the work I use is common domain which is very handy which means I don't have to pay royalties to long dead artists or galleries usually <laughs> so yeah that's kind of what got me oh, into that's it that's good that's yeah, helpful definitely <laughs> and plus like yeah classical like, art like that history is I could go on for hours about like the counter Catholic Reformation and that whole time period with, with art. It's very fascinating to me. Yeah, well that sort of brings in my other question, like what's sort of your big inspiration behind like a lot of the artwork that you make? Like sort of what sort of makes you wanna bring in all these different things, like things from Dante's Inferno or any or just like like other other examples in your artwork, just like these old paintings and everything. Like what's sort of the inspiration mm. behind all of that? I mean, aside from the fact that a lot of old, specifically around the 15th, 17th century, uh, in the start of the Baroque period, a lot of the paintings depicting biblical scenes were kind of really gay. Um, aside from that aspect, I just, I like reusing and recontextualizing artworks, even if I do divorce them entirely from, like, their original meaning. I just think it's kind of fun to play around with stuff that we've been, that's been in our you know, art sphere for what, like, hundreds of, hundreds of years? A lot of years? Like, it's fun to play around with that stuff. <laughs> a long yeah. time. Plus, I've, I've, in my third year, I had a awesome lecturer, Peter Westwood, who's the absolute king of a man. He, um, 
amazing to realize that a lot of my art has like my methods of art making have a lot in common with um surrealism so that took me down that road of intuitive making and surrealism and just seeing how weird i can get with these classical works and it's been really fun from there just kind of seeing how trippy i can make it oh that's really cool like i get i understand that feeling when it comes to um sort of looking back at old things seeing like oh how gay is this like when you think about it my favorite painting um called Dante and Virgil in Hell it's just these two guys fighting but there's something so like okay cool this is all right nice (laughs) something about it honestly at this point I think a staple of like many queer many queer creatives is looking at past things and being like hey this looks really gay absolutely and I also want to clarify not that I'm not like an artist who's you know in the LGBT community I don't specifically classify myself as a queer artist just because the art I'm making is not I make art about gay people and trans people but I consider my art not to be queer just because of the very specific angle and the specific not demographic but like the specific experience I'm trying to capture when I make my art of being a bi trans person who went to a Catholic school. Like it's not not that I want to like limit my art and say my art my art's for anyone who it wants to be for, honestly. But just like that's why I wouldn't say I'm a queer artist, just because of I don't make queer art, I make art about being trans, which is I don't know. Yeah, well that's un- that's understandable. Yeah, yeah. It's like not, that's it's not ever your art isn't in tied exactly. just to being Yeah, that being yeah. said, if anyone like people want to use the label of a queer artist, I'm not I'm obviously gonna not gonna be like, no, don't use that because you, you you do you you know that's just the personal label I use but yeah I like yeah it. no that's fair yeah. enough like it's yeah that's fair enough like I guess in that in that sort of regard and everything like obviously like in the art industry like there's been a it's been a bit of a struggle for a lot of people to get out there like and show their artwork to many people especially like when they if they do fit if they do fit under like the lgbtq plus community like how have you gone about sort of like working in through that industry like it's been like the art industry can obviously be a bit competitive sometimes so like how have you gone about that um i mean getting involved with a lot of local places has really helped me get a bit of a wider audience there's um connection art space in dandenong where i actually volunteer at and i love that space so much They're, they're so great everyone there's awesome um but i also think like I, I'd be doing a disservice, well, not a disservice, but I I would feel weird without mentioning the fact that I have gotten a lot of opportunities because I'm a white cis-passing trans guy. Like, I have a lot of privilege in the industry, even though I'm in the LGBT community. Like, I, I'm not going to just act like, oh, I just did it on my own. Like, no, I'm a white dude. Like, I, <laughs> I'm a white dude in the art industry. You know, I have it a lot easier than a lot of other people. <laughs> but, like... <laughs> that being said, I also have feel like I don't know. I also did I just apply anywhere, apply anywhere. Honestly, that's my like, especially when you're emerging artist and you just want to get your name out there. Unless the place is like really shit or is going to charge you millions of dollars, like you know, I like there's a, sh- a couple shows I got coming up at the moment where it's like, oh, I wish I didn't do that show because they were like, hey, you've been selected, give us $200. And I was like, okay, because I was like desperate to be in a show. So if they're going to do that, don't do that. But like, I don't know, look for places that are specific to where you want to do, like where you want to show your art or what type of people you want to get your art to. But also like if something comes up, I'd say go for it. 
Arts Hub is actually a really good site. They advertise a lot of um, a lot of good opportunities. Arts Hub is good. Yeah. That's really nice. Like, do you hope like with your artwork, you're able you're going to be you're able to inspire other like creators in the industry to like really like inspire others with your art? I'd love that. That would be really great. Um, yeah, I'd love if someone saw my art and was inspired in any way. That'd be that'd be really cool. <laughs> I would like to do that. <laughs> Yeah. that's really nice to hear um I guess like one other question I'd want to ask is like with your art like you've been doing it for a few years mm. now with like working in the, in your sort of digital collage sort of feel but like how do you feel like your art's evolved from like when you started out to now oh it's massively evolved like I I went into RMIT first year in my interview wanting to be like a print student like I in my like VCE last year of high school, I'm not sure if you remember, but I did two print pieces. Like I was set on being like a lithograph, lino print, like print student. And then like, I honestly, I know it sounds cliche because uh, don't go to art school or whatever, but like, I honestly would not be the student. I would not be the artist I am right now if I didn't go to RMIT. Like, I don't know. I, I as, as many systematic and just general problems I have with unis in general and RMIT in general I I think it's it was a really good space for me to like just experiment as much as I could and figure out what I really really excelled at or just liked so yeah yeah like get out there and really just like yeah exactly that's really nice um I guess I guess just sort of like to be wrapping up just some questions and everything like do you have any upcoming works or exhibits coming out that you said? Like you said, you're working in a few on a few exhibits just before we started. So, like, do you have any coming up that you are really excited for? Yeah, I've got a show coming up at um at the substation in Newport, which will be really cool. I think we're up in the air as to whether it's going to be a projection work or I'm just printing it out onto like a massive banner. But either way, my work's going to be shown pretty large scale there on the. 12th and 13th of March for their outer space show so that's really really fun like that's the that's first awesome. time um a gallery I mean me and Brad uh knew each other from he did an RMIT workshop and I emailed him afterwards but he reached out to me to be like hey we have a show your work would suit it and I'm like oh this is cool um so yeah I've got that show coming at the substation I've got a show at the Red Gallery in Fitzroy um which is part of their rock paper scissors show which was a collage thing I think that's around 12th of March as well. So, God, March is going to be busy for me. But, um, yeah, that's kind of the only shows I've got coming up at the moment. But, uh, yeah. And then I've got, like... Yeah, that's exciting. I've also got an Etsy store, which I do not promote as much as I should. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, that was going to be my last question for you. Is that, like, just for other people that are listening right now, where can they find you to look more at, at, your, more, to look more at your work? Um, I've got Instagram, I mean, honestly, Instagram is the primary, I haven't got a website yet because Squarespace is expensive. Um, I haven't got a website yet. So my main portfolio is on my Instagram, which is Sam Cariotis Art. And I'm not sure if you're going to spell my name for the podcast, but it's um, just all lowercase, Sam, K-A-R-I-O-T-I-S, and then just art, because I was um, kind of boring when I made my username. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's the Nothing wrong with being simple. Exactly. I'm just like, it's, just, it's just, yeah. Um, so that's where I post my art. Um, I've got an Etsy of the same name. Actually, all my links to all my like commissions and stuff is in my bio of my Instagram anyway. So yeah, Instagram would be the main place. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Sam. It's been really great to talk yeah, to you. So. That was our interview with Sam. If you want to check out their artwork, you can take a look at their Instagram at Sam Cariotis Art, all just one word. Uh, now we're going to get into our froth or not for the week. So, Laura, what was your froth for this week? I've got a couple, if that's okay. Um, oh, 100%. So I, I've been really loving Hope D's music since I interviewed her on the show last week. Um, and I've been obsessed with her song Swim. Um, it's a really cute song about coming out and kind of the pain of everyone telling you um, that you're not right or that it's a sin or that you're disgusting in some way. But she is kind of overcoming it as she sings. You know, you can kind of hear um she uses this technique called looping and as the lines in the song loop, they start to sound more and more like I'm going to swim away from this negativity rather than I'm going to be consumed by it. It's really cool and I'm really, really oh, obsessed with it. Really nice. <laughs> I recommend it. Um, but that interview with her was like so much fun. She's so chill to talk to. So, yeah, definitely shout out that song. And the other thing is my veggie patch has been producing some some amazing stuff. Ooh. What kind of stuff? What kind of stuff? I've been getting chilies and tomatoes and pumpkins. And I've been so Ooh. proud. I'm so proud of them. I put the chilies and tomato into a pasta sauce last night and it was so good. It was so good, Elizabeth. Ooh, that sounds so good oh my god mm-hmm. i kind of want to show you the I pumpkin mean, i picked ooh. last week do you want to see it <laughs> i'll have to come over no, I yes, can do it, do it. I'll have to come over go get it, it. Oh, yes go get it go get it <laughs> show starts in one minute Show the pumpkin, show the pumpkin, show the pumpkin. (laughs) The pumpkin. Oh my god, that looks, oh that looks amazing. I, I love her. She's beautiful. (laughs) I I can't, I'm so proud of you. (laughs) Thank you. I'm proud of the veggie patch. I grew this. I just love. We had a veggie patch in our garden and then it just died. It takes so much effort. Yeah, we had like a little, my family, I think we did it last year during COVID because they got into that whole like, let's let's get out there, let's be green uh, for our garden because mm. our garden's a mess. Um, but we put it all, like we got this like little tiny little greenhouse you could make. Mm. It was like not with any glass or anything, but like just a cover you could put on yeah. it. And it was working good for a while, but then like, we just stopped checking on it and then we opened it up and everything was just dead. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, the real struggle is keeping an eye on it the whole time because I'll, I'll go out there and I'll see my pumpkin vine has grown like everywhere. And the tomato vine has like fallen off the trellis because it's gotten so heavy. Oh no! I'm just like, why? I just wanted to like pick some tomatoes and spray some water at you. Like, why do you have to be so high maintenance? But yeah, can I just 
can I just pick the fruits of your labor in peace? <laughs> Literally. Then, yeah, um, once it yeah. starts producing stuff, you're like, oh, this is why I do this and put all this time because for the long, for a few couple months, it's just vines and, and little plants that you're trying to keep alive until it produces something and you're like, oh, yeah, I wanted that. Mm. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> what's been your froth this week? Oh, well, like... I guess I can talk about it again, but like I've been doing stuff for that internship I mentioned last week, which has been a lot of fun. Like mm. my knots part, it, it kind of encompasses my froth and my knot yeah. because like the froth part of it was like amazing because we got to go to this really old house and I got to do a bunch of stuff like with paint, like a bunch of painting and woodwork and like plastering holes, which to some people probably sounds horrible, but I thought it was just <laughs> a lot of fun. Like, yeah. There was a point where uh another intern and I we were trying to move this huge block of wood onto like to drill like this huge like slab of wood onto like what another desk to make like a proper like workbench desk area and we had to move it we had to move it to a different room and one of the hinges for the desk wouldn't come off like the screw had just completely like the like the divot part of it that you'd use to turn the screw was just like almost melted it was just like there was nothing there to turn it so now there's just a random hinge just hanging by one single screw just in that house that no one can get (laughs) oh no it was it's a shame but it was fun like we got to have we were going at it with like the drill just trying our best and it just was going nowhere no i'm scared of drills I'm so scared of using a drill. Mm-mm. Yeah, the in- legitimately the entire time we were working with a drill, we're just kind of like, I feel like we're going to die using this thing. Yeah. God, yeah, any power tools, I'm like, please, God, no. Like, my lawnmower is enough, thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> half the half the yarn, like, anytime I'm walking around, like, you know, there's like huge like hedge trimmers that you see some people using mm-hmm. i'm looking at them as kind of like keep that away from yeah. me just i don't want to i don't want to deal with that that is some sci-fi machine right there and i don't want it around me exactly oh god <sighs> we prefer the simple life Just give me a pair of shears and a, and a screwdriver and we're okay. Screwdrivers all the way. I've got a hammer, I've got a screwdriver, and I've got a shovel. Oh, and I've got a pitchfork because I have uh, to if I'm a communist. And oh, of course, that's of course. all I need, you know? That was Froth or Not. If you want to check out the show, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at SinLoud. That's, that's at S-Y-N Loud. As well as you can check out the podcast on Omi, iTunes, and Spotify. If you want to listen to any of the music that we played on today's show, you can listen to it on Spotify at the Loud and Queer Mixtape 2021. Today we went through LGBT news in the past week. We also heard about my gay high school experiences and the weirdness of coming out at such a turbulent time in people's lives 
We also heard from Elizabeth's friend Sam Cariotis, who shared his amazing experiences about being an artist. And lastly, we had Froth on Art, which was all about music, gardening, and op shopping, and the fear that bi people have of drills, I suppose. <laughs> Next week, we'll be hearing from Sydney based band Second Idol, and we might also be featuring some incredible reviews on the Melbourne Queer Film Festival. So stay tuned for that. You can see us next Sunday at 3pm on 90.7 FM or sin.org.au. You're listening to Loud and Queer. My name's Laura. My name's Elizabeth. And coming up next, you're going to be listening to Pristine by Snail Mail.